The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, as we mark the first anniversary of COVID-19 being declared a pandemic, you know, that was yesterday, but there's a lot of anniversaries over the past uh, couple of days and leading into next week. We're reflecting, obviously, on a lot of things in our world. Well, one year ago, I'm not sure that any of us realized how deadly the virus would be to our seniors and the death traps that some long-term care facilities became in our country. The deaths in long-term care have been called a, a national disgrace, even set aside. Uh, Canada's COVID-19 death toll is now at more than 22,000 people, almost 14,500 have been in long-term care and retirement homes. While plenty has been learned over the past year, what is being done to ensure another wave doesn't hit those homes? How do we protect our seniors in years to come? And what do we need to do to make sure the facilities that are out there, that the healthcare services that are out there reflect the needs of our aging population? Pat Irwin is the founder and president of Elder Care Canada and who we have turned to over the past year for insight and commentary on this issue. Pat, welcome back to the show. How are you? It's nice to be back. <laughs> it's nice Last to talk few times, with you. I think I made you cry, so we'll try yeah. not to do this. Yeah, no, you did make me cry, and I oh. wear my heart on my sleeve, and you made a lot of people cry, and I still think oh. that for a lot of folks, when you look back over the past year and you look at these numbers and you look at what's happened in some of these facilities, it still brings people to tears. Looking back over the past year, Pat, where's your head at? What What do you think uh, about the past 365 days? Well, I'm trying to cling to something positive because I know you're also a very positive person and I'm trying not to cry here because I did take some time yesterday and remembered everyone I've lost and what amazing people they, they were. But what we have now is residents in long-term care and retirement are now vaccinated. Yes, so hallelujah yes. to that. The second thing that's positive is up to two essential caregivers are now screened and allowed. So now family, only two, but family can still be in the radar and helping out the staff and back in the person's life. They're yes, also I mean, starting it's to just do- unreal limited activities so what they do Jalen, is they sit in their wheelchair in their doorway and in the hall there's stuff going on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the downside but you know- of course has been what we call confinement syndrome so through no fault of your own you have been in your room with meals delivered all alone for a year and you don't particularly if you have dementia you don't know why so you are socially medically physically in every way deconditioned so bringing people back you ask what do we need to do the first thing is going to be to bring whoever survived back to a certain level and that will entail bringing families back in reminding these people these residents that they are in fact people because they sure don't feel like people now but longer term there's a new book by a really good health writer named Andre Picard, P-I-C-A-R-D. just came out earlier this week, and he talks about turning the whole healthcare system on its head and yeah. talking about home care rather than warehousing and institutionalizing. 
Well, I, you know what, Pat, I, I have to say that I think that that is something that we all need to be looking at very closely moving forward. I know that there was uh, there was a survey done not too long ago. It was, uh, and it said that like 85% of those um, Canadians aged, you know, 65 and above, they said that they're going to do everything they can as they age to avoid moving into a long-term care home. So what we need to do is is take a look at the system, you know, really the healthcare system that, you know, has has been this way since, you know, the 50s, 60s, um, that, you know, people were living to 67. They were living into their That's 80s, right. 90s or 100s. So, you know, when we have, you know, acute care beds in hospitals housing people as they wait to transition into a home, that's not a good thing. It doesn't make any sense financially, does it? No. It costs the government 200 a day for somebody to live at long-term care, way more than that to live in a hospital, and so much less to live at home. Yes, and you know that people are going to want to stay at home for for as long as possible, but do we have the proper services in place to ensure that that can happen and happen safely as our population gets older and as they want to stay at home? So what do we need to do on that front? Well, we may have the services. We just don't have the services that people want when they want them. That's number one. Somebody comes in at 4 p.m. and says, I'm going to give you a shower now. I don't mm-hmm. want a shower. <laughs> and they do it in 15 minutes instead of the hour that was promised. But the, the other huge thing is this whole body of unsung caregivers, unrecognized mm-hmm. caregivers, such as women who are working and mm-hmm. the so-called well spouse. These people do not feel safe self-identifying. So if you're looking after your kids and your mom, and you're married and have a job, you don't want to be the one who leaves early mm-hmm. to take your mom to the hospital or to the doctor. Mm-hmm. So you don't even feel safe self-identifying. That has got to stop, and employers and the government have to say, you're making an enormous contribution. It has a market value. Here is then a self-funding basket, and you can use these funds any way you like. So you may choose to use them only for overnight care. You may choose to use them for a two-week vacation. Who cares? Mm-hmm. It's yours to use. Yeah, you know, it's 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 fascinating, and and my my listeners are are aware of what my family has gone through over the past uh, three three months since the beginning of November. Oh, I'm my, sorry. My oh no, no, thank you, Pat, and I appreciate that. My my mom-in-law went into the hospital with with complica- complications from COPD. Um, ended up being diagnosed with lung cancer about. Two weeks later, diagnosed, she caught COVID in hospital, um, but she beat COVID somehow, which was amazing. And um, wow. and then, yeah, I mean, you know, you think about that. COPD, you know, she beat COVID. That's amazing. She did. She's a, she said she says she's a tough old bird, or she said she was a tough oh. old bird, and we lost her a couple of weeks ago. But here's the thing, you know, Pat, we we, we had we wanted to bring her home, we wanted yeah. to bring her home, and she wanted to be home. But you know, when we got talking to the doctors, it was very much well, you know, who's going to be there around the clock? She's going to need someone around the clock. What is, what are those costs? Who's going to be doing that? It just wasn't feasible for our family to do it in the in the way that our family was 
was was set up. So she moved into a to a hospice, which and she received great great care there. Mm. But it wasn't what she wanted. She wanted to be at at home. Yeah. And if and it wasn't were, what you wanted, I know. It, it was yeah. Aww. But it, and you just think to yourself, you know, if if we had better services set up and if we had better support for the family members or all of those things, you know, I'm not just talking about my family. I'm talking about families for years to come. How much better it might be for them. Well, some of it is navigation. So yeah. for all you know, I'm not um, contradicting you, yeah. but some of those services may have been out there, but you, of course, didn't know how to get a hold of them because there's no rehearsal for this. Yeah. Um, so these things always happen very, very suddenly, and so you didn't know where to pull those services together, and often the people who know the least of it are the doctors, right, because they are in a mm-hmm. silo of specialties. So yes. they don't know what's out there and how to pull things together quickly. Yes. Yes, it was. It was just. Uh, it was. It was an unbelievable experience to go through. And I think of, you know, my, you know, families and and friends. And you you see the stories of people who, as you touched on earlier, who've been in long term care facilities who haven't been able to see their loved ones for for so long. Mm-hmm. So how do so uh, you know where we're at right now? Again, so we know that the the system needs to be um, remodeled. That we really need to to get on it sooner rather than later. We should have been doing it ages ago. Um, right. You know, so so where are we? Are are you seeing change on that front at all, Pat? Or are people? I regret no. Things happening? No. Nope, no. They are not. People are still horrified, and I hate to say this, but there's a little bit of benign denial going on, where lots of sectors of people say, "I don't know anybody who has COVID. Why are we still fussing around this stuff?" And haven't they all died anyway? And weren't they all going to die anyway? Mm. And this is all great when it's somebody's parents or grandparents, but when it starts to be the baby boomers themselves, <laughs> I, I really, I think it's going to change. Unfortunately, of course, health care is provincial. Mm-hmm. So you can't always get federal uh, jurisdiction to just say, yo, this is what we're doing. <laughs> and so if this genocide of our parents and grandparents can't be the catalyst for change and for us to vote with our feet and vote at the voter box, then what will be? Mm-hmm. I yeah, can't no, imagine it's a, it. It's a really good question. Carnage you know, there was like a... this, but unfortunately, these are people who are largely invisible, disenfranchised now. They don't have a voice, and now they really don't have a voice. There are people who are so dehydrated, they can't speak anymore. They, they have lost the ability to speak. There was an opinion piece today in the Globe and Mail. I'm not sure if you re- uh, wrote it was commentary. And the opening line was, would we be so blasé as a society if the victims were 20 years old rather than 80? Yeah. Dismissing older victims yeah. of COVID-19 as discardable because they are living on borrowed time yeah. is beyond inhumane. And yeah. I just thought, wow, that was that just hit home. It gives me goosebumps. And I, Or I 20 years some... old, Jalen. How about yes. six years yeah. old? Yeah. They put a, a well, cordon around hospitals. Then they said, oh, schools. They never did say long-term care. Yeah. So every society has triaged in their mind. So I don't think it will be until it starts to hit the baby boomers, and it's starting, because the low-hanging fruit of people who are in their 80s and 90s, those people have passed away. Now we're looking at people in their 70s. That's pretty close to the baby boomers. They are in their 70s. 
Well, and the baby boomers are going to want better. They, they, they just are. And I, and I hope that they start using uh, their, their voice. And, you know, yep. hey, I'm a Gen Xer. I'm, I just turned 50. I mean, I'm not that far away either. And, you know, I want better for when I get older as well. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. I've lived a good life so far, but I want better when I get to the point um, of, of needing more and mm -hmm. and I do hope I do hope that people uh, start really paying attention to this and really start you know saying okay governments what is your plan to, to, to revamp this system what does it look like what kind of beds are we going to have what kind of um, options are we going to have for people who are going to be at home there's so much to think of uh, on that front moving forward it is not oh. a small task Pat it is not yep. a small task you have a but lot I, of work I, ahead of you <laughs> I do but you know there are some basic tenants that we have to say we are not going to warehouse these people anymore we're going to bring them back to the community maybe not in their own homes if that isn't tenable in, in mm -hmm. your case for example but into yeah. the community where they can still be people yes yes and, and i'm going to uh, start and, crying and now i'm afraid yeah. Uh, Pat, so, okay, well, let's, <laughs> let's, let's call it there because we don't need, uh, we can, you can talk or cry, but you can't do both, so. I know, and <laughs> I, I always say, I, I can difficult. sit and cry with you, but that doesn't get anything done. <laughs> so I am sorry for your loss, though, my dear. I, I'm oh, sorry that you had to well, learn the hard you. way. Yeah. Well, I, I, I thank you for that, and I'm sorry for everybody's loss uh, for, oh. for what we've you seen know, over the past You know, that's one of the things, I'm sorry to interrupt, but part of it is no one has been able to have closure because there, there yeah. can't be any kind of funeral. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's also why maybe we're not recognizing that these people have gone. We haven't had a way to kind of mourn them mm. or notice I was asked earlier today about what I want to do, what are, what our plans are um, mm. when when we're allowed to get back together again. And I said, well, my husband and I are planning a big kick-ass party in the in the backyard where we're going to celebrate some birthdays, but we're also going to um, you know mark and and celebrate the life of you know the loved one that that we lost over the past year that we haven't been able to bring friends and family together to to do so. And mm. so you know it's it's everything's been you know everything's been put on pause here um, right. I just really do hope that we've we've learned uh, a very very terrible lesson and then as we move forward that um, that people start paying attention to, to what what just happened and and hopefully doesn't happen again here's what I say about that unfortunately we have observed have we learned and having learned will we change <laughs> that's the challenge Pat, there's your challenge there this afternoon. Okay. There's your challenge, everyone. <laughs> All right. Always good to talk with you, Pat. Always I appreciate great. your Thank time. Thank you so much.